So, so here we are. Yep, a first. And we're not in Dutch today. No, we're doing it in English. Radio to Nudenim. Today we're joined by uh, Adriana Kaljesevic. That's still, I think, to most people unclear. What's the main difference between sustainability and circularity? Well, I mean, sustainability is kind of it's just a survival strategy. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely necessary. You have to strike a balance between the nature, human life, and the economy. Um, and circularity is, in essence, about eliminating the concept of waste, you know, inspired by nature. In nature, there is no concept of waste. Everything no. um, becomes food for another system or another organism, and everything is cycled in safe in the safe safe uh, circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so circularity is pretty much eliminating the concept of waste, mm-hmm. and also, in essence, it's also like using waste as a resource. But it's much more than that. It's about actually designing for the next use. So yeah. now we have all this waste that we don't know what to do with because mm-hmm. things have never been designed for to be circulated exactly. in the first place. You know, so you have stuff that maybe has poisonous chemicals, and now you're cir- recycling and circling that again. So the future is actually about. You know, building from the ground up. Yeah. You know, choosing the healthy materials, powered by the clean energy, mm-hmm. uh, preserving the water, uh, the soil, and yes. you know, animal life like flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. So it's about like a holistic approach to design. Yeah. No more in hindsight. Oh shit, we did it that way. How are we going to solve it? But just make sure there's no problem to be solved. Exactly. If yeah. you have a clean input, there is no mm-hmm. output. So yeah. It, and it's also like designed with an intent. If you want it for a biological circle, you know, if you want to put it in the ground or if you want it for a technical circle, if you want to put industrial processes. So this idea of like, that's what's been driving me since I read the book in 2005. First to like get into the sustainability, mm-hmm. to discover like all the technologies that are available out there to try to implement them to write about them to uh you mm-hmm. know and then later on innovate myself uh, with the supply chain on 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 other practices that um that are moving things towards a circularity if i love denim so much how can i make it cleaner and better and that's what i dedicated my uh, you know career, career to. to i'm busy with things that i love because you know you only live once if you are not living every day Sure. And doing what you love. It's like, what's what's the point? I guess you just have to be ready to adapt. And I mean, spe- I mean even this crisis, I mean, sometimes it pulls some old pains you know, from, from, from other crises in, in my life. But then I look at it and, and I'm like, okay, this is, this is a problem. We have a collective uh, tragedy in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been through one of those before. And, you know, like for me, maybe it's easier to, to deal with it. And with some other people, you know. I have no doubts. Yeah. No. And not not that I'm not that I you know would ever wish on anybody or even upon myself that for people to go through uh, uh, through you know crazy things. But I think I mean if you know if life gives you lemons, I guess you can make a limoncello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And here we are in English. Mm-hmm. Tell us, uh, why are we talking English today, uh, To? Um, because today we're joined by uh, Adriana Kaljesevic, uh, 
who we, we practiced uh, <laughs> we, we definitely practiced yesterday i didn't want to m- mess that one up oh, okay. um who uh speaks english and yeah. dutch but i think you're more comfortable in talking english so uh, thank you for switching to English. Oh, of course, no problem. So uh, it's English today. It's Great. And yeah, it's, <laughs> <For me. laughs> it's it's more convenient in English. Um, we're for the second time this season. We're uh, at the studio mm-hmm. because, uh, well, at least for the last few days, the shop has been sort of open. Yep. So uh, I kind of like this new place, uh, though. Maybe we should not. Me change too. it back to the store anyway no i like the round table more than the the low tables we see and we to have sit. to admit there's a better cheek to mic situation for that, you that is also very or shall true. we not elaborate on that one no we'll just keep that one for i don't know probably nobody even noticed it so i'd rather <laughs> keep it that way <laughs> let's keep it that way so um before I'll introduce uh, you, Adriana, I think it's um, it's beautiful to also explain why we made such an effort to get Adriana into the studio because uh, it was quite hard to uh, to get her over because mm-hmm. Adriana was uh, was enjoying a well-deserved sabbatical, and um, we'll we'll talk about that more later, I guess. Um, but the reason that we wanted to talk to Adriana so uh, so much is that um, over lunch, I think a couple of months ago, yep. uh, Thomas, you were super intrigued by uh, the expert joining us for lunch and, and mm-hmm. talking about sustainability and uh, more importantly about denim in a way that you, that kind of blew your mind. Uh, yes, very much so. Because I mean, um, in regards to denim and sustainability, uh, common knowledge gets you so far but then we were joined by someone who's a world leading expert on the subject and who could give us some insights into the worlds of sustainability and new techniques being used and uh, well Adriana can explain them much better than I can because I'm in no way an expert but um, yeah I was extremely intrigued so uh, and I think it was the first time that you and I might have been a little bit restless about today because yeah well, you can see there's a laptop on the table that hasn't been there there's also a notebook we, we yeah, but, came very but, well prepared. but let's let's be very honest about the laptop situation we have a printer situation uh, which also. didn't allow us to uh, to print our notes so well i mean i feel sort of a cover which gives some safety and comfort a uh, mask a mask to hide behind right H- hide behind mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's uh, uh, let's not uh, uh, wait another moment. But um, no. I'm I'm super excited, Adriana, to have you here. Um, Thank you guys for having me. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> it's always great to see you. I can't believe I can't give you hugs. <laughs> no, <laughs> like normal. It's uh, it's like I just want to hug you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, let's agree that that in the second part of uh, 2021, we're gonna make up for the lack of hugging and. Uh, make sure that we uh, get back on track uh, with that. Meeting mm-hmm. up. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, Adriana, it's um, it's a pleasure. Um, I think you and I met somewhere in 2008. Um, I still remember that, uh, that, that my business partner uh, back then, uh, René, uh, mentioned uh, that he met some, uh, someone very special. And uh, I still remember that we met and... Um, uh, I still remember that 
you came into the store, uh, our first Tenudenim store, with that beautiful red hat of yours. Uh, <laughs> um, it was uh, not only visually, but also like the whole presentation of Adriana was was absolutely something you would never forget anymore. You have those high souls. You're sort of. Uh, post-punk look I, I I was intrigued right there at the spot um, and it turned out that you knew a shitload about denim and um, at one point um, I, I really asked myself what is uh, what is this girl gonna change here in Amsterdam in the game and all of that and well I think uh, we decided right there at that spot uh, that we uh, had to become friends and and that's what we did yeah that's definitely how and it happened very spontaneous right just walking into your shop and talking about denim and since then we've been like family <laughs> yeah and uh, i mean uh, for for the people who might have missed that uh, the reason that we started uh, started radio to nudenim is uh, because during lockdown we really missed those uh, visits and uh, conversations uh, that are attached to that it's for us it's it's been very depressing in a lot of ways, but um, one of the most important things that we absolutely missed uh, with our doors closed was uh, the beautiful conversations with the inspiring people amongst us. And therefore, Thomas and I thought, mm -hmm. why, why can't we just invite those lovely people over and speak about what yeah, inspires them and intrigues them and what keeps them going? And then, well, also record it and put a camera on your face so <laughs> at least other people can be listening. And, and this is the birth of uh, Radio to Nudenim. Um, and as I explained to you earlier, um, the reason that this uh, feels like the perfect time to speak to you is uh, because I think it was last weekend, one of the major Dutch newspapers uh, did a report on the sustainability in clothes and uh, was was speaking about um, yeah the cheap jeans uh, from some of the big vertical chains that in their words uh, kill the the environment and and make us uh, suffer from a, a huge environmental problem um, but like in many articles uh, written in the dutch press or in the international press if you will uh, there, there was not really an alternative presented. So there was a lot of negativity. There was a lot of um, noise. <coughs> there was a lot of, let's say, dogmatic ideas on, well, uh, anything related to fashion was basically bad. And um, yeah, the way of generalizing that subject, especially in regards to my beloved jeans, mm -hmm. uh, of course, kind of freaks me out. And... Um, I remember a couple of uh, months ago uh, when Thomas and I were presenting uh, uh, the five things to consider when buying a pair of jeans, I secretly asked you for some advice because we at Tenudenim really wanted to present a document or at least a simple cheat sheet, I mm -hmm. think you, um, uh, called, you, it you called it back there, <laughs> yeah. um, to make it easier for people, mm -hmm. to make easier... Um, uh, calls um, to make better choices but not in a very technical um, rather complicated way but just provide people with certain considerations for them to make a better call a better decision uh, in order to well at least 
embrace the idea that we should take better care of the world. Um, after being a little bit grumpy and yeah, sharing it with some colleagues uh, and, and telling, well, there's another journalist who doesn't provide us with the good alternative. I thought, well, this is the, the, the perfect timing to, to speak mm -hmm. to you because over the, over the course of the, the past 13 years, Uh, you developed yourself into not only a denim expert, because I thought, I, I believe that you were already a denim expert mm -hmm. when we met for the first time. But uh, what is more importantly, uh, you became a, if you don't say, the expert in sustainability and more importantly, circularity. And you really um, emphasized that yesterday night. Menno? You really, you can't call, just call, call it sustainability because circularity is where we are now. And um, well, Adriana <laughs> says it in a way that there's, it's yep. undeniable. So <laughs> I'm very happy that we not only practiced her last name, but mm -hmm. also practiced the circularity situation. The right terminology. Um, so that's something I would love to speak to you about today. Um, sustainability, denim, circularity. Mm -hmm. But before we do so, Uh, I would I would love to hear how you're doing. Well, I'm I'm doing well. I mean, considering the situation, it's it's. I guess we all got used to uh, not moving so much around and not seeing people. Um, yeah, last year has been like sort of a blur. In the beginning, I was working like crazy. You know, just be by being at home, you don't have those things like oh, I need to go to a place. You just like get up and I started working, and then I would work on all time zones. Because there was no boundary of like going mm -hmm. outside or picking up things or, you know. So at a certain moment, I was like, wait, 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 this is not normal. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's time to instill some stay-at-home habits that are easy to adapt. So I, um, yeah, I just started to, you know, I read that 5 a.m. club book, which I also gave it to you. Because we were also kind of both a bit like lost with the, you know, being in one place. So there, like, there are some good diagrams. I mean, it's everything that you already know, but it's just a bit more nice when you're reminded of things, how, how to um, approach life. So having instilled those habits, um, you know, it gave a lot of uh, room for thought and uh, room to reflect and room to, uh, yeah, think what, about what the future brings. And um, you chose quite a interesting well uh, interesting moments to to reflect and to um, yeah to, to take that moment because uh, as you said we're in the middle of a pandemic and uh, we're stuck at home or stuck mm -hmm. at work or at least uh, we're um, stuck to anything and uh, we can't travel and we can't see uh, other places we can't see other people see other people etc um but um It's also a moment in in which a lot of creativity uh, and and new th and making things sort of definitely. starts. Uh, yeah, was that was that the same for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it start first. It starts to like you know, t for me, it started like taking better care of yourself in a way that you can like discipline your. Yeah, I'm very disciplined at work, but for myself, I wasn't always so disciplined. I did you know do sports and all those things, but. Um, now you get a bit more discipline and also, you know, learning not only about you, but also about other people, because actually in pandemic, you, you, 
I mean, I ended up speaking to a lot of people on, on Zoom calls and mm-hmm. um, normally you would meet up, but even then it became a bit more frequent for some reason. So, I mean, and also like time, it was time to research, to, you know, kind of also dream in a way, like, okay, this is the situation now, but like what's going to be when all this is over? Like how do I want to uh, frame my lifestyle and how do I want to frame, um, you know, everything that I do, how I live. Yeah. Because, um, simultaneously to handling the pandemic and the whole situation, uh, you ended your career with, uh, G star and, um, you took the opportunity to, um, well, set up a sabbatical for yourself and, to really disconnect in a way. Um, yeah. Was this uh, was this uh, decision, was that being helped by the fact that we were actually in the <coughs> pandemic or was it just... I think it, it was more accelerated because of the pandemic because in the back of my mind, I still had, uh, uh, you know, uh, an idea of like, okay, I've been with G-Star for like nine and a half years. I've already installed what I can install into the company in terms of like sustainable uh, raw material sourcing, product and design, mm-hmm, yeah. as well as circularity. So I thought, okay, so what would be my next phase in a way? Because I felt like, you know, my work there is on a full-time basis, you know, that, that you're there every mm-hmm. day. It, it, it's kind of uh, uh, finished because everything is set. Um, but then, of course, with the pandemic, that kind of got accelerated because you had more time to think. And of course, like, uh, you know, the economical crisis came. So, um, yeah, so things things have been there. I think everybody in their life, every 10 years or seven to 10 years, always looks at kind of a, um, a review. Mm-hmm. Like kind of you reflect on like, you know, what have I done? What Where do I want to go? So I think this pandemic gave it a bit more time to do that and clarity and therefore accelerated um uh you know moving forward and then of course then i decided you know i also wanted to you know i love to study <laughs> like the perpetual student so um okay so the sabbatical came and then i just wanted to you know do research read things that you know like maybe you never have time to read i also enrolled at the mit sloan uh, yeah, school mm-hmm. business uh, executive program. So, uh, guys, uh, sabbatical is of course something uh, that can have multiple interpretations, but it wasn't uh, twelve hours of Netflix for you. Uh, no, never. no, no, no. <laughs> I don't even have a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so okay, you can, you can, you can sabbatical watch uh, for most people evokes ideas about palm trees and cocktails and mm-hmm. that I mean, kind of stuff. I, I like those too, but in the pandemic, that wasn't possible. So, sure. so I mean, like no, I, I, would, I, would, I would gladly take those too. But, uh, but of course, even if I was taking the palm trees and the, and, mm-hmm. the, and the nice cocktails, I would still probably be the same in terms of, you know, having to Do something. be dedicated, doing something to, mm-hmm. learn, you know, to learn something. It's kind of like you go, you know, you have your toolbox, you kind of polish your tools, you get rid of what doesn't serve you anymore, you put in the new tools. You have a toolbox? Yeah, in my head. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and what are the, the new tools that are getting added to the mental uh, toolbox? A mental toolbox. I mean, it's continuation of like perfecting the tools that will prepare... <laughs> 
my you know uh, myself and the world for the you know scaling the circularity mm -hmm. and what's because uh that's still i think to most people unclear what's the main difference between sustainability and circularity well i mean sustainability is kind of it's just a survival strategy mm -hmm. it's absolutely necessary you have to strike a balance between the nature uh you know human life and the um and the um economy um and circularity is uh you know in essence about um eliminating the concept of waste you know like it's it's like for me circularity preserve things that not are made not only preserve things that are made uh that's part of it but also designing for the next use so it's like cradled in in a linear system where you you have like take make waste model mm -hmm. in a circular system you have a take make reuse or remake yeah. model so circularity is about you know eliminating the concept of waste it's kind of inspired by and nature. diminishing footprint no, it's actually not only diminishing the footprint that's the main difference like in sustainability you're like diminishing your footprint mm -hmm. but in circularity you want to actually create a positive impact right so that's the biggest difference so like circular uh, sustainability is like something that should be like inherent in every business i know it's not everywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's something it should be the basis the foundation yeah and now is the time to move to circularity where we are actually creating positive impact so it like I was inspired in 2005 when I read the book Cradle to Cradle Remaking to make, that we make things. And mm -hmm. there it was, um, you know, describing the uh, circularity as, you know, inspired by nature. In nature, there is no concept of waste. Everything no. um, becomes food for another system or another organism and everything is cycled in safe in the safe, uh, safe uh, circles. Mm -hmm. So... Like in my design and my practices, I like to mimic those uh, principles. So um, yeah, so circularity is pretty much eliminating the concept of waste, mm -hmm. um, and also, in essence, it's also like using waste as a resource. But it's much more than that. It's about actually designing for the next use. So yeah. now we have all this waste that we don't know what to do with because mm -hmm. things have never been designed for to be circulated exactly. in the first place. You know, so you have stuff that maybe has poisonous chemicals and now you're recycling and circling that again. So the future is actually about, you know, building from the ground up. Yeah. You know, choosing the healthy materials powered by the clean energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, preserving the water, uh, the soil, and uh, um, human and uh, yes. you know, animal life, like flora and fauna. Mm -hmm. So it's about like a holistic approach to design. Yeah. No more in hindsight, oh shit, we did it that way, how are we going to solve it? But just make sure there's no problem to be solved. Exactly. If yeah. you have a clean input, there's no mm -hmm. bad output. So yeah. it, and it's also like design with an intent if you want it for a biological circle, you know, if you want to put it in the ground or if you want it for a technical circle, if you want to put industrial processes. So this idea of like that's what's been driving me since I read the book in 2005, first to like get into the sustainability mm -hmm. to discover like all the technologies that are available out there to 
try to implement them, to write about them, to, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and then later on innovate myself uh, with the supply chain on, on, on other practices that, um, that are moving things towards a circularity. Yeah. And um, were you already working in denim back then in 2005? Yeah, yeah. I was working, I was working in denim. Uh, I mean, I got... Uh, after university, I was working with actually a maternity company who has worked with the, uh, you know, LA premium denim brands. So like the Citizen 7 and like, you know, can like all these different premium denim brands. So that's when I fell in love with denim. Uh, I mean, I finished my university in 2002. Yeah. So like after university, uh, I started working and, and absolutely fell in love with denim in terms of you know, on three different levels. Like, it was full of paradoxes. One is, like, it's, like, mass-produced, yet it's Mm -hmm. hand-touched. You know, like, it starts to be, you know, all the same, but once everybody wear, you know, if you take a raw pair, you know, and then, like, completely evolves into everybody, into something else, Mm -hmm. you know, becomes individual. So that's one part. And another part, it's like, I saw that it merged really like all the disciplines that I love, like, you know, the technology, the creativity, the um, um, engineering also in in terms of uh, uh, pattern. And, And third one, and I also, it's, very particular it's quite you know it's very detail oriented every stitch matters every seam allowance matters mm-hmm. you know so it in a way it's almost like a zen work when you when you're designing denim i always found it like super zen to you know like you're analyzing every stitch you know how many stitches per inch uh what kind of thickness mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into it, and and plus all the processes and 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 the washes that you can do after, like the chemistry and the indigo itself. It's so beautiful, like it's ever evolving, ever changing. And then the third part was actually that you know denim as a fabric unites all people. Doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know what age you come from or what gender generation, mm-hmm. uh, economical or socioeconomical background. And to me that resonated the most because of the fact that you know i came from uh uh, i was a refugee twice actually as a teenager um coming from the ex-yugoslavia where people were like completely divided uh, Mm -hmm. uh, based on their ethnicities um so for me i always look to things such as art music sports even and in this you know discover the denim also has that power to you know Un- bring people together. unite people yeah, yeah. and that's and that's that's quite bizarre that that you as a beautiful individual ex- experience that at a very young age like um, other young people in other parts of the world in other uh, uh, periods in time uh, experience the same like the Japanese uh, uh, looking mm-hmm. at the, the the US soldiers um, and uh, for them, uh, denim also became uh, the sign of freedom, and the style even became uh, became that. It it is super special that denim is capable of doing that, yeah, isn't it? Totally. I mean, totally. That's why, like you know, I mean, I w- I really got obsessed with it. So like on on those so many levels, and 
And, you know, it's just ever-evolving and ever-changing. And that's when I decided, like, okay, if I love denim so much, how can I make it cleaner and better? And that's what I dedicated my, uh, you know, career, career to. to. Mm-hmm. And of but course, in, in like, I also worked with, uh, uh, you know, making different uh, celebrity denim brands. Um, yeah, but, uh, but uh, these... these um, um, these ambitions, they don't come overnight, of course. And uh, I think um, you first have to understand the animal before you can defeat it. So it's, uh, uh, I think we spoke about that before. But before we uh, elaborate on that subject, I would love to go back to uh, to your youth because you mentioned um, you grew up in a former uh, country of Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, w- w- would you um, uh, when when did you decide it was time for you to I didn't really decide anything it's like life just throws stuff at you um, well in 92 I was I went on a ski trip right and so the war mm-hmm. started um, so I was born in Bosnia so my, I lived there and then um, I went on a ski trip and then the war started so I could never get home. So for two and a half years, I was separated from my parents. I was in Serbia, they were in Bosnia. Jesus. And so we didn't know uh, about each other for over like a year and a half. So it's pretty much like that time that, you know, kind of not that I was thinking about denim, but like I was thinking about many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was lucky that uh in the end my parents and i got reunited and then where and we got reunited in 94 94 90 yeah 94 or something like 95 Mm -hmm. i cannot even remember anymore 94 um and then in serbia and then um was it also with your brother yeah, it was also with my brother. My brother and I went on a ski trip. Oh, thank okay. God you were thank together. Yeah, 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 we were together. And my parents were like separate okay. uh, from us. So like, so it was like a two and a half years of separation. It was quite, uh, yeah, as a teenager, it's a bit, uh, you have to grow up very fast, let's just say that way. Mm-hmm. And then thankfully, like we got reunited. And then in 95, uh, we, uh, you know, emigrated to the U.S. And how did it happen? Uh, uh, Oh, how did it happen? I mean, uh, well, in all that tragedy, there's some kind of uh, goodness in a way. Um, uh, When we got, like my family is mixed uh, marriage. So, I mean, at that time there was ethnic cleansing between people, you know, not only by color of your skin, but by by the names, you know, people are Mm -hmm. separated. So because my family was always uh, mixed, uh, there was really no place for us uh, to stay. And then, um, actually, there were like five countries where, you know, like, so my family was on this uh, international organization for migration list, also because my father was prisoner of the war, and, you know, he was shot seven times, you digging trenches between um, other parties uh, fighting, so so in all that tragedy, we were able to get on this uh, list where you could find asylum somewhere else. And then, um, so that happened in... Yeah, 94 after reunion, 95. And there were actually five countries. One was Holland, Sweden, Australia, Canada, or US. So, it, like, they would let people in that were from, you know, these mm-hmm. sort of backgrounds. And then US had the, uh, the, like, all the other quotas were filled. So, US had an open quota. So, that's, you know, how my family made it to the US. It's literally like we came. <laughs> so, you went all together? Yeah, we all went okay. all together. So, that was like, you know, like 
after all the misery yes. yes yeah so it's like i'm i'm super thankful and and grateful that like i actually you know got my parents back when i you know there were mm-hmm. never many uh things that could have happened otherwise i mean it wasn't all peaches and cream but in the end you know i, I feel really lucky that we sure. were able to you know start you and 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 continue our lives in the us <laughs> hey and uh, where was that in the us <clears throat> first there was in uh, lancaster pennsylvania that we came and then uh, of course i was finishing my high school and then i went to university in philadelphia and in the meantime mm-hmm. my parents moved you know to uh, kansas city missouri and and chicago actually my father was a back home professional football player so he was coaching different teams in, in the us and later on started his own school uh, the school uh, which is now um uh, well which is now taken care of by your brother i believe yeah yeah, yeah that's right? right yeah my father he passed away what is it uh, yeah almost uh, nine years ago um and then my brother took over so that kind of kind of carries on so like this you know idea of sports uniting people and, mm-hmm. and denim and like uh, this whole background of mine sure. comes together in, in that sense yeah full circle hey and um because i think there is there is a beautiful peacefulness in the way you describe your love for denim and the the truth is when i first saw you there was uh well the first impression at least was not very peaceful because you looked like a super tough punk chick uh, which uh, well wasn't really uh, looking as extreme as you might have used to be when you were a teenager but <laughs> still you look pretty fucking rock and roll sorry for my french um, no rock and roll's good <laughs> when uh, uh, when did you develop uh, your uh, your particular uh, well in- interest in in punk and in music and that kind of stuff was that when It was also during my teenage years. I mean, like you living in, you know, living in the times of distraught in a way where like there's turmoil, corruption and, uh, you know, religious wars and, uh, you know, human rights being violated. Um, You know, punk music, especially like the UK 82 movement was resonating Mm -hmm. with me at the time at the time uh, because they were actually, you know, addressing all these issues of right. like what what was going on like where i was living sure so it really also then came very close to heart in yeah, a way yeah. and it really has um been ever since i was like 12 or 13 and then when i came to the us you know like it's a, it's a really like a little subcultural tribe kind of like what we have in the denim community sure. mm-hmm. you know that, that you just gravitate towards people that have a similar vision or like have another vision but that is like compatible or uh with yours and that you know makes you stronger in a way yeah so you know when i came to the us i you know i met like a lot of great people we were listening to the same bands and then also later you know organized different tours and um, you know, just kind of raising the awareness regardless, regarding, you know, all the uh, issues that were still present, be it sure. uh, racism, be it environmental issues, be it uh, uh, xenophobia, gender issues, anything. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, punk music has been sort of this... Uh, um, like right. Driving force of activism? Driving, and not necessarily activism, more action and thinking for mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't call myself 
an activist no, the, in a way, you know. It's but, a loaded but a word. But yeah, but I, I, I do appreciate of being critical, being like aware and looking at things from all angles and, and then making your decisions on your own instead of being force-fed uh, whatever information that is out there. Mm -hmm. So I think that sort of kind of reflects also in my work. You know, you sometimes make fun of me. like, oh, Adriana, you always ask me these questions. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you can be pretty firm. Let's put it like that. But... Uh, it's uh, you don't leave uh, you don't leave any room for uh, for amateurism. You're uh, and that's the, I mean it's also the same uh, if you, you 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 are the most criticizing person to yourself. I think um, yeah, because I um, you only strive for a plus plus, and if if that's not being achieved, then uh, either the work is not finished or it's it's not so good anyway. And I. The, the beauty, and um, I know you hate me probably after this uh, session because oh, you, you have you a very on. hard time when people start uh, complimenting you. And, and uh, yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know Adriana very well, she's, she's a very modest and shy person, although uh, um, she's, she's very much capable of telling anyone... Uh, what she thinks and what she believes. Uh, I think where it comes to yourself, you're always very laid back and, well, let other people decide. And I think um, you're way too modest, but we'll get to that later as well. Um, but what is, um, I think the, the whole approach to active, being active for something, at least stands uh, behind something, uh, that's like a, a red line Along Throughout the whole history my, of yeah. uh, mm -hmm. Adriana, it's um, action. Yeah, I guess it's it yeah. is action, it's action, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, in a way. That's why I call my work like action research. And I don't only do research; I also do action. So no, it's not just a thesis that you write. You no, actually... no, I really like explore, like you know, what are the actions I can take. I guess that's the whole thing about DIY and also being like when you had. I mean, I had to grow up very, very young I during the teenage years and I mm -hmm. had to take action for, for myself or, you know, my brother and also later for my family. Coming to the U.S., I was the only one speaking English, so organize everything for everyone. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I guess action is something that 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 could this kind of describe me. <laughs> and But uh, did you feel welcome back then uh, in the U.S.? I mean... Yeah, definitely. I mean, like... Um, uh, you know, my family wasn't religious at all, but, you know, there were actually churches that were supporting people that were looking, you know, like coming as refugees and, you know, um, saying like, okay, here, like, we will help you mm -hmm. with the first three months, uh, you know, uh, and like kind of like creating communities. Um, so, I, I mean, there are people that are great everywhere and there are also people that are, <laughs> that can be very bad everywhere. So, sure. I, I mean, in the U.S., of course, I, I, I felt welcome because everybody there is an immigrant in a way and it's mm. also celebrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I believe some people in the U.S. kind of lost track of that. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's a whole another podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But but uh, what 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 interests me is that uh, you felt welcome and um, do you feel American? Uh, I feel like a citizen of the world in a way. I I mean like I of course, it, or a citizen of humanity in a way. You know because right. I mean I lived in all these different um, areas. You know the ex Yugoslavia and the U.S. and now here in in the Netherlands. 
So I feel I don't like to label myself as uh, by any nationality. I just feel like I'm a person that can fit everywhere uh, in a way, but still um, have an individual, like you know, be be an individual mm-hmm. in a way with you know following his or her uh, my own beliefs and and and, sure. and systems. So I mean, I really feel at home here in the Netherlands. It's like a perfect balance between. The, my east east side and the west side you know sure so um yeah i guess i guess but, uh, but are you uh, do you feel dutch now then in a way i don't know what i just like to label th- you yeah uh. you know i don't you can't label me i feel like <laughs> i i feel like wherever I, wherever I, for example i cannot say like i feel american because you know, I only loved living in New York, so I could say, yeah, I feel like a New Yorker. Oh, there! Oh, also, come on, the whole new. I'm, I'm not American. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then also, uh, you no, know, but I'm not. And that's You're why such I say, a cliche. No, come on, it's same in the Netherlands. You know, I love living in Amsterdam, but I, I think for me, it's more about, um, yeah, being citizen of the world. So, like, wherever you put me, I will, I will. Sure. Try to thrive and, and do mm-hmm. and but let I'm me let me rephrase then of the country let me rephrase then uh, you felt at home in the u.s during the time you spent there yeah i mean like i i felt i felt that it was a great thing to be there and have an amazing opportunity to you know do what i love to study what i love mm-hmm. um but i always felt more european you know Okay. So that's why I really was like, okay, when I'm finished with New York, you know, I would really like to go back to Europe. Uh, sure. To live, but I mean, I still like my family is still in in the U.S. and I go there like eight times a year or something like that. And would you guys ever consider going back? No, I no, no. I mean, like I always go back to Croatia for my summer holidays and also for Christmas. Um, but to live, uh, for I mean. To live, no. I, I to live in there, no. For not right now. Not right now. Yeah, because there's still, still things that need to be uh, cleaned up in that whole area and and like encouraged to improve. What I think I can do much more from the outside than by living there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, and um, but then uh, let's go back to uh, the moment you fell in love with denim because. What uh, what really interests me is that, um, well, being in the whole punk scene, uh, you w- wasn't you weren't just against anything or whatever. You were proactive and you were like, um, well, helping bands and um, you were super interested in the whole music thing. Um, um, there was um, there was always something in my in my view, at least, uh, that that uh, made you go forward and. You were always active and energetic, <laughs> and um, when when did you sort of uh, readjust and and put your focus more on on fashion, on clothing, and and? I mean, also since I was a really little kid, I I really loved to draw clothes for some reason, and I would okay. just like spend hours like touching fabrics and like draping garments for my mom and dad on myself. There mm-hmm. was there was this like and also looking at arts and crafts. There was something since I was a little kid. But also during the time when I was a teenager, yeah, I was listening to the punk because that's one part of the 
um, uh, things that resonated with me of the times that I was living, but also I found refuge in, you know, sketching and drawing and like really? imagining. And that's when I also knew that I wanted to be a fashion designer. So like having this ticket to get out of, you know, this uh, mm -hmm. war-torn area and having a new kind of slate, uh, like a blank check in the U.S. in a way, to, you know, start and do what I really just continue to do what I, what I loved. You know, I continued with the music um, and I continued with uh, pursuing studies in... in um, uh, fashion design as well as in art history because I mean during the war like art books were my uh, safe mm -hmm. heaven I think also during the, I mean art since ever since has been like you know my refuge my refuge to you know where I can it's been my meditative straight I always say like the mm -hmm. galleries and 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 um, uh, museums are my churches in a way <laughs> but, but, uh, but uh, how did uh, how did you have access to that uh, was it by accident books. or oh, I mean books. like from my books from my grandparents like I could right. I could uh, uh, look at the books and also some old magazines and things like that so yeah, it wasn't so I wasn't you sort of stumbled upon them and then uh, united with yeah, them or yeah something. exactly I mean like you know it when you are in a I mean, my family was always like oriented to my grandfather, especially. It's actually would have been his birthday today, March 9th, right? Mm. Um, uh, he's he had like tons of books. He was a professor of Russian and um, also later a judge. <laughs> he actually went to university at like 40 to finish his law degree. <laughs> to, That's like, awesome. You know? <laughs> so I think I get that from him that I really want to study all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, so, I mean, like he had like a nice library. So I, 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 right. I uh, always like looked through and like read and, and, and that's something that stayed with me and stayed with me in terms of like moving my career also toward and my education toward, you know, you know nurturing this idea of like, you know, dream world of the fashion and, and also dream world of the art history and, mm -hmm. and the arts. Um, um, so... Yeah, so I, I actually. <laughs> yeah. But what what interests me is how did your um, uh, your group of friends or your network back then uh, think about that uh, ambition or that decision for you to go commercial in a way? Was I that mean, something they appreciated? Not, I mean, it's not that it's commercial. It's just doing what you want. They always appreciated what I wanted to do. It's not like I mean. That's beautiful. I mm -hmm. mean, and we still like are great friends and still if there are shows or like, you know, helping each other, having reunions. I mean, many of them, like some are still in the bands, but they also have side businesses like, a, you know, uh, a nice uh, 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 bar uh, in Hamptons or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or sure. some are like in professors, uh, some are, you know, like finishing their PhDs in microbiology and so, so like all the friends are very supportive and like they understood and and and, uh, and they valued. created their own path. Yeah, totally. I think that's also one another uh, red thread. That's like a self-made people, whatever you know your passion is, that you follow that and that you're doing what you love. But that's that's beautiful. Uh, I mean, of course, there is there's many cliches to share uh, in regards to like the punk scene and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you, I mean, like, it's very misrepresented, especially, like, by the media always throughout the years. You always see these, like, guys that look funny and chasing grandmas on the street or something, you know, like... Yeah, no, but uh, I think the um, um, the whole scene in, in the Netherlands as well uh, sort of uh, disappeared. There were, like... Uh, all the old buildings with the paint on the side mm-hmm. on Spau and stuff. They were like at one point all... There's still Frankrijk. Frankrijk and yeah, on the Spuistraat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's still some places left. But there's, 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 let's say, a lot of misconceptions. But I do... I mean, there's... Sorry for bringing this up, but there's this one picture you, sh- you, you showed me. And I think a lot of people will absolutely love the idea that you are now the... Uh, specialist in regards to sustainability and denim and circularity and the other person on the picture might have promoted and just uh, uh, got a super serious law degree and mm-hmm. uh, and all the other things can you share a picture it's so it's so beautiful i think it's youth culture and then isn't it well i mean like that picture was from the festival in 2002 or something in the morgan it was like so it's just like we were looking through the records and somehow it made it to Wikipedia or something like that. If, if, if you Google so punk, uh, you see a picture like of uh, of Adriana, actually. Yeah, or like punk. Uh, punk something? Street punk, I don't, I don't even know. I, I guess it, it's, it's, it's not that important, no? <laughs> but, uh, it's I think it's a beautiful picture. Oh, but, okay, uh, thank you. It's, it's just like big, 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 big hair, like big trial. What's the English uh, way of, of saying Hanukkah anyway? Mohawk. Mohawk, Mohawk yeah. that's yeah, it. Yeah, but I had a trihawk. It was like one in the middle, mm. two on the side. <laughs> so, I don't it, know how we're going to do it, but we have to find a way to, to come up with that picture anyway. Uh, Thomas, maybe later on this. Uh, yeah, maybe like a, a thumbnail or something. No, I wouldn't want to tease you. <laughs> but um, I also have a question uh, regarding your art because I think, if I'm not wrong, the main reason you came to the Netherlands was to study 17th century Dutch art, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I had, I always say three loves brought me to the Netherlands. You know, mm-hmm. one was the love for um, Dutch art of the 17th century. Mm-hmm. Second was, like, the love for... Uh, the denim uh, bubble that I've seen here, and also especially G-Star. And the third one, I was in love with a guy who, who was, uh, you know, who was Dutch. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I always say, like, three loves brought me to the Netherlands. Um, and then, yeah, I studied, I mean, I was fascinated. I, when I, I studied art history uh, prior in the U.S., Mm-hmm. And also uh, fashion design, but like I was fascinated with the Dutch art of the 17th century, how it developed to be such a powerful force in the world without being supported by the church. You know, yeah. like Renaissance and other movements, like mm-hmm. everything in the art that has developed was um, supported by the church. And then, of course, you know, iconoclastic fury that happened in like. 1566 or something in the Netherlands, you mm-hmm. know, when the Protestants came and like completely destroyed all the um, images of the of the mm-hmm. Catholics the statues. And, and statues. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fascinating to me, like how did this Dutch art economy develop to be so mm-hmm. prominent in the world without any church patronage? So that was like what was fascinating me, and I really wanted to come to Amsterdam and, and discover. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And did you find an answer to that question? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. But it's just a multifaceted uh, yeah, it's uh, quite approach. But in essence, it's like it kind of like has to do with good luck. I mean, in a way, good mm -hmm. luck for you, but bad luck for everybody else. <laughs> Not everybody else. But I mean, like Amsterdam used to be a satellite port, but at the same time, like Antwerp, that was the main port, fell. Mm -hmm. you know? Because of Amsterdam also. Uh, yeah, in a way, but also in, in Venice, there was a big feme. So like Amsterdam became then a main port. Mm -hmm. So that was one part of it. And then the second, it's like this like super pragmatic, you know, Dutch um, attitude towards, uh, um, you know, market of the commodities mm -hmm. was actually applied to the paintings. <coughs> so it's like you had like different genres and in those different genres, you also had different levels. So even people that were not rich at the lottery, they could win a painting. And mm -hmm. people that were, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, nobility and, and um, they could afford their portraits. And mm -hmm. like you have the guilds, mm -hmm. you have so you have like those landscape paintings, you have the um, Venitas, you have the uh, um, portrait paintings. It's like very, very uh, different segments and everybody had their own niche. And that's how it like exploded. I mean, shortly. I mean, there's a whole, yeah. whole history. We could also do another podcast on that. <laughs> I was going to say, that's just, another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, podcast. It just, but just impre it's, it's impressive. And, 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 you you know, and that's what's something that's beautiful about, you know, the arts are, I mean, I mean, lately, you know, with all the economical crisis of a lot of subsidies have been uh, taken out from, from the arts. But Amsterdam had this uh, history of being, you know, uh, a safe heaven for the arts and accepting creative people and people thinking outside of the box. And 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 how old were you uh, when you came here to study arts? I was twenty-seven. So I already finished. Like I mean, I, in two thousand two, I graduated from one university, yeah. and then I started working in uh, Philly and New York, and then. When I felt like, okay, I've done what I could do in New York, I wanted like, um, I can always come back to New York, you know. Um, I really want to explore more um, in the Netherlands. So. But but that's that's quite uncommon, especially uh, we, we've talked about that with mm -hmm. uh, Brechi Lampe as well, that young people um, not very often have the, the peace of mind to say at the age of 27, well... I've graduated. Uh, I've 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 taken my first successful steps in fashion. Uh, there is no way on earth I'm gonna take a left turn now and well um, explore more the parts of the world of arts and then maybe go back to fashion again. Everything has to be like super square, and I'm aiming for that. And if I don't reach to that point, then I mean, I I think I think it's because I mean my life hasn't been like a, a straightforward forward trajectory since I was young, mm -hmm. you know, like right. it's been interrupted and, and in so many ways and, you know, out of things that are out of completely out of my control. So for me, what was always um, important is that I'm busy with things that I love because, you know, you only live once. If you are not living every day sure. and doing what you love, like what's what's the point and that means also taking some risks and uh, giving up certain things that many other wouldn't give up you know yeah. um but uh yeah you just have to be true to yourself i mean there is no pattern like life doesn't happen in 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 uh 
uh, order. It have just life happens every day. You have a surprise. You just have to be. Um, uh, I guess you have to have this um, positive. I mean, I've always been positive in the sense of that. And like, very okay. curious, and, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, curious. Curiosity for me has always been leading me to different avenues, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess you just have to be ready to adapt. And, I mean, even this crisis, I mean, sometimes it pulls some old pains, you know, from, from, from other crises in my, in my life. But then I look at it and, and I'm like, okay, this is this is a problem. We have a collective uh, tragedy in a way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been through one of those before and, you know, like for me, maybe it's easier to, to deal with it than with some other people, you know, I have no doubts. Yeah. yeah. And not, not that I'm, not that I, you know, would ever wish on anybody or even upon myself that for people to go through, uh, uh, through, you know, crazy things. But, um, I think, I mean, if, you know, if life gives you lemons, I guess you can make a limoncello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to write this down right now. Um, but w- you said you came here with three loves. Uh, what made you decide to go with one love in particular, in this case, uh, denim? Uh, because you mentioned you had uh, three loves and then uh, I think... Oh, yeah. You I mean, like I mean, they're all still very much uh there loved the loved love is always loved you know it it changes um it transforms but denim of course i mean it's it's because it's been it's been fascinating to me and also the fact that um you know after reading the cradle cradle book um remaking the way that we make things i felt compelled as a designer obsessed with denim to change how denim Mm is made so that's when i also came i also started up the denim institute you remember yes and then that was like you know to celebrate the historical and anthropological perspective of you know what denim had what kind of influence it had and also to confront the present in terms of you know the current ways that we were doing production um yeah and then then uh, also opening the doors to the future yeah, and, th- and this is this is I think my favorite part. I um, I think when you had the Denim Institute, um, at one point you realized that if you don't dance with the devil, you you'll never be able to, well, defeat it. Is maybe uh, not the right way to put it, but uh, um, I remember that we spoke about uh, your your the start of your career at G Star and. Um, I'm the biggest G-Star fan on earth. Uh, I uh, I still remember the first time that I was in New York and uh, I think the second person that I uh, came across uh, on Manhattan uh, was actually wearing a pair of G-Star jeans and I was absolutely proud and thrilled uh, because here I was uh, loving denim, being Dutch and all of a sudden I felt yeah. like uh, the owner of the brand, if, you, if that makes sense. Um, but of course, there's also a downside to it because big brands um, make big mistakes and uh, they uh, they have a big footprint. And and there was Adriana uh, taking on the challenge of uh, after reading a book um, to to choose that battle and to dance with a very big big beast. And I believe a lot of people 
uh, prior to that decision would have told you, you will never be able to change a machine like that. You will just be another person on the paycheck of such a big corporation. Um, how can you be so naive to think that you can actually move it slightly to the right or left? And here we are. Uh, well, before I'll spoil the whole surprise, but you changed a shitload in there. Yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> you know, when I was in New York, um, I was designing denim for House of Darion and Recaware and um, Fetish. They're all like celebrity brands. Um, but I saw then New York, uh, G-Star on New York fashion shows, and I thought these guys are absolutely amazing. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, I really want to work with them. Took me three years to get an interview. If it wasn't for you and uh, Rene putting my name in to, to, to enter the building, <laughs> you know, to recommend me when Rebecca was looking for somebody um, to do the design. Uh, well, you know, I, 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 I have to quote. I have to quote my father-in-law here. He always tells me it, it's not about what you know; it's about who you know, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And. Um, Sometimes in this case, it is. I wasn't used to that because in the US it was pretty much like, you know, like people see you and they just uh, like, oh, I, I, I believe in you. I'll, I'll invest in you. And here it's a bit more different. You have to really like know people to, you know, or have to be around for a bit. People well, are less I, taking risks on other people. Yeah, but, uh, but the funny uh, side note here is that um, if you w would have became more American, you would have kicked in the door and said, hey guys, I'm Adriana. I'm going to kick mm -hmm. your asses over here and you better fucking hire me right, <laughs> no, out, right now. And no, no. that's the American style, isn't it? Well, it depends. It depends. No, no, not always. No, but the idea, but the thing is like, I was really impressed with G-Star's like innovative spirit. And then I said to myself, if there is a brand in the world that would actually think and would... Um, be aligned with my ideas that would be g-star because they are they don't have like a strong heritage like levi's but they do have the future in terms of uh design you know like the first 3d design and sure. then like the all the crossovers and sure. like, you know the whole inspiration from the archive um i thought that like okay these guys respect innovation and i always saw innovate like sustainability and circularity is a mode of innovation so i thought like you know if we got together we could do something innovative mm -hmm. but we're and talking 2007 2008 uh nine? That, that was I got hired by them in 2011. 2008, okay. I started up the Denim Institute. Right. And already, like in that time, I also saw them, um, uh, you know, there was the Millennium Development Goals in 2008 that they were supporting already, you know, um, in New York uh, with United Nations. And I said, like, okay, definitely, you know, I feel that would be the best already the best platform where sure. I could do something that is not on a small scale, but that can affect many, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like on, on a broader scale, because they are a global brand. They're not a big corporation. They still function as a small sure. uh, brand because no, they it started as a brand. But um, they but didn't, so, so didn't the, go public. They no, yeah. are privately owned. Yeah. So, I mean, there was already, I saw that there was already uh kind of a soft spot for, for that type of innovation and, and design sure. and mm -hmm. responsibility. You know, G-Star in 2006 already had the, you know, supplier conduct. Um, 
and you know 2008 was their first organic jeans and then like i came in 2011 i was hired to do the raw sustainable line as well as the um, uh, denim women denim women's denim and then from there just like everything evolved over the years you know my passions there actually flourished and I cannot be more thankful to having had that platform where, you know, it wasn't all easy. You have to, of course, convince people of certain things, but it, there, it was an open mind. There was, that's mm -hmm. the most important. There was an open mind and there was an opportunity for me who believed in something to actually go, act on it, make it happen and present it and see if, it's, if it fits. And a lot of things have uh, and, you know, it, it's been really great since like 2011, you know, go from um, 2012, from go, going, you know, 10% of uh, sustainable uh, cotton in, in collection, 2020, 100% sustainable cotton, which is 80% mm -hmm. of the collection, 90% on other uh, materials. And also like introducing the whole, you know, cradle to cradle design and well, but but let's let's start step by step because um, um, for a lot of people who might not have the uh, yeah the amount of knowledge on the subject um, we should not uh, yeah go too fast um, because it started in 2011 with raw sustainable right and, yeah and women's denim can you explain what that is raw sustainable well raw sustainable was a capsule that um, consisted of three parts so one was the raw organic raw recycle and raw nettle okay so it was a women's and women's connect collection that were separated so everything was one part was everything made with organic yep. cotton another part was uh, all with recycled fibers and a third part was actually made with nettle so there was also innovation in the what's fiber. the last can you nettle brown nettle brown nettle, uh, brown brown nettle. nettle yes yeah. So, um, you know, that was also like the first innovation in terms of fiber, you know, using alternative fiber than cotton, like a brown natal. It was like the Brennels from the south of the Netherlands. That, that mm -hmm. I mean, they went out of business. But the, this idea, you know, of like innovating sure. and finding different alternatives to the fiber. So there was like in the beginning that. And then the thing is, we stopped with the capsule in 2012 because we noticed, okay, if we can take what all of our learnings from the capsule and apply to the general collection, so the general genes. Amen. Then you can actually make sure uh, a, a much bigger, bigger impact. change. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why, like from 2012, you know, at that point it was like, uh, you know, from 2011 2012. So if you did a capsule with like one percent of the sustainable fiber, but if we applied it to the uh, rest of the collection, it. it like increased tenfold, so it became ten percent. That's when the goals were set for twenty twenty. Right. We do hundred percent, you know. Sure. So, um, so in that sense, that was what the cool thing about G Star was that I could also do these little uh, capsules. Same happened with the uh, raw for the oceans. You know, like at that time, you know, mm -hmm. implementing the recycled. Uh, uh, that was with Pharrell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we implementing, um, you know. The, the plastics plastic. found from the, yes. on the seashores and creating new polyester fiber from it. Um, and then, you know, maybe it was a capsule in the beginning, but it also had, that was in 2014, 15, um, when it started. But then it says, okay, by 2020, we should be 100% sustained, or, or we should be, if any, polyester. I mean, we didn't use so much polyester, because um, in denim we don't use so much polyester. Um, but whatever there is, it should all be recycled, be it coming from the, you know, 
airplane trays or uh, ocean plastic or whatever. But, you know, like making these little sure. steps of like, fine, you, you have an exploratory uh, version. Same with, uh, you know, Earth Colors, which was like the jeans collection that was first made in um, using uh, food waste or plant waste as a, as a resource to create new pigments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also resichrome collections that, you know, using the uh, textile waste to create colors. So it's like always trying to find these little um, solutions. Errors and, and, and solutions. Sell it, yeah, do, do like a pilot. And then the point is to scale that because yeah. there is no impact unless you can scale it. But but was was G Star always willing to scale it after you proven? Yeah 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 definitely definitely everything's always been implemented. I mean even with the cradle to cradle when we why started. Why why is G Star uh, not being rewarded more uh, for this attempt? Because I feel that, um, and I'm 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 pretty much uh, in this business uh, for well let's say a long time and i wasn't even really aware of the fact besides of course i know that you fought quite uh, quite a few fights internally to get mm-hmm. uh, the brand in a more uh, sustainable direction and uh, but i think externally uh, g star wasn't really rewarded for that but it, i don't think it's about rewards about externally because what we always believed is like if you are putting a product out there it's your responsibility to put a good product out there, you know, like that is. Yeah, yeah but it's also. Yeah. <coughs> well, let me well rephrase then. I think it it's a pity um, that G Star didn't really uh, manage to create momentum for that because uh, n- not not to become a bigger brand or become uh, more successful or uh, more whatever, but um, to. To use that momentum to spread this positive word, mm-hmm. but I, we we have we have um, we have. I mean, I've d- been doing many talks in term, you know, internally as sure. well externally, uh, doing uh, lots of education, um, not only for um, our customers and our sales team, but also for journalists. We have, but we haven't been like, you know, ringing all the bells. We we just it just it just an, it just an, you know. Like a, a right thing to do to create a product that is beautifully looking, beautiful kind of mm-hmm. inside out, you know, that it looks good, uh, you know, is fitting great. And behind the scenes, when you look deeper into sure. it, you yeah. know where it's made. It sh- you it know that it's made with clean chemistry. Mm-hmm. and uh, It should be standard procedure, yeah, not something to brag about. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like an inherent part of the business. Mm-hmm. It's but, not but isn't it also that you guys were a little bit ahead of the game? Because I feel that now <coughs> everybody wants to get yeah. a piece of the of that sustainability or circularity I think, pie. I think we were, we were the leaders and... Um, I mean, that's why I joined the brand in the first place, because I felt that would be the brand that could. Yeah, but it's funny that you realized that, but I'm not really sure if they realized it back then. But it doesn't matter who realizes, as long as we do things that are right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Touche, yeah. You know, like for me, it's never like, oh, I did this, I did that. For me, the most important is like, what's the end result that we want and how do we do it? 
Did you share those techniques actually that you guys developed yeah, at yeah, G-Star yeah. with all yeah. other brands that were readily well, available? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like when we developed the world's first cradle cradle denim fabric, you know, like that was in 2018. And since then there were like 13 more developed. You know? mm-hmm. um, we actually shared the fabric itself so other brands could use it. Mm-hmm. like open source and also shared indigo technology that we developed there which used like no hydrosulfates and like left like a clean recyclable water effluent so not only for the brands but also for the mills not mm-hmm. only particular to one mill but all the other mills right that, who know, did you develop that fabric with uh that was artistic milliners they're from pakistan and it's also nice to see that like you know people from Pakistan will take on a challenge on like doing a cradle to cradle framework. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, can you explain there, for people listening uh, what a cradle to cradle denim is all about? Well, um, cradle to cradle denim, be it a fabric or a product, it's, it's um, designed from a holistic perspective where you look at the material health, where you look at the water stewardship, uh, social fairness, material reutilization and use of renewable energies. So, I mean, cradle to cradle framework is very rigorous. It has different levels. <clears throat> so you can be <clears throat> at, um, you know, the bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. Um, it, it's very rigorous because like, let's say you have all those five aspects and everything is platinum, but you have one bronze, everything falls down to bronze. Okay. So in my world, like I really wanted to design the world's first cradle to cradle gold denim fabric mm-hmm. um, and also later products. And I was really happy that actually on, in, in the um, material health point of view, which means that you go inside and, you know, uh, look at all the molecules that are of everything that's in there and analyze it if it has any, if it has any harm, you know. So I was really happy that on that part, we received actually platinum, which mm. meant that there was zero risk present in the chemistry of our fabric for okay. people and the planet. Okay. And that was quite, you know, when you can say like, hey, this mm-hmm. fabric is chemically benign, you know, you can, uh, you, it's, it's great, you know, especially since we know that. And then, of course, later, like on a product level, you improve everything from that perspective, looking that holistic point of view on the thread, on the buttons, on the washes, um, and also use and 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 the next use and the next use. So it's 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 cradle to cradle framework is like the most holistic framework and the only one designed for the circular product economy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something. Oh, sorry. yeah, and because that's something I find hard to uh, wrap my mind around. Isn't how do you make sure that those genes actually get reappropriated in the right way? Uh, or is it just well, that's if the they thing, don't you have to develop you have to develop a take back systems mm-hmm. you know that's part of the um that's part of the also part of the um the whole chain the, the whole cradle cradle certification you mm-hmm. have to develop a, a take back system and and like your materials have to be all healthy to go back into the system yeah exactly so it's so not it's not only um not only your uh, your garments but also it's water mm-hmm. so we were able to design denim that is you know 100 recyclable that wastes zero water mm-hmm. that has zero uh risky chemistry for people and planet and it's made with 100 renewable energies so just by using that framework 
So things are possible, you know. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time in optimization because you really have to dive deep into like what are you working on, mm -hmm. and also your supply chain partners have to be really sure. open yeah. to be like, okay, I'm admit this is inside, but like what would be another substitute that maybe if this chemistry is not good, like how can we find a better one? So it's a lot of fiddling and a lot of exploration and research R&D but like once you get it then it's like you don't think any other but way but this no. is where the scientist in you uh <coughs> well yeah. <laughs> freaks out and and uh, is is in the perfect place i guess because yeah totally no because I'm, i'm i am sort of a, a little bit of a nerd I'm not a little bit but <laughs> hardcore nerd right and and how do you how do you protect uh, being a nerd and being um on this road to improvement within such a large commercial organization? Because I can imagine that not everybody likes to take that time and take and, and be so patient and um, invest so much into this holistic end result that might not even exist. Actually, I mean, in the beginning, it's sometimes hard to convince people but like when they see the result sure you know when they see that they've been part of something that actually has improved you know a, a process and a product people become more interested and I, i think more than ever like people have been very like within within g-star like i had an amazing team that you know we're, we're ready to learn you know in a way like people there are cut from the same cloth in terms of being detail-oriented um wanting to innovate and, and and like come up with new ideas so th this was kind of like a natural also uh, they they could adopt it um and also in the supply chains you know what was good is that gstar had like a long-standing supply chain for over 10 years with many of its suppliers so like we grew together and then that was like also you know, teaching them and like actually um, presenting these new ideas and uh, new methods actually help them innovate as well sure. and offer something else, not only to G-Star, but to all the other customers that they have. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 I think it's, it, it's I never, I never had an idea that I had to protect <coughs> anything. It was more about teaching people and, and like getting them on board to join you, this, to join you on this mission, which Sure. You know, it's not like it's 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 something that it's just the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But but you worked there for for ten years almost. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that uh, you defined a lot of uh, in between goals because I, I I believe that you I mean you couldn't you could not have been aware of the end goal when you started there, right? Uh, as you said, you started with. Uh, raw sustainable and then yeah i mean for me for, since i've joined i've really really wanted to do i wanted to design the world's first cradled cradle denim fabric okay that was my only goal you know mm -hmm. and then also design cradled cradle gold certified products that was my goal and then which is quite wrong it was <laughs> quite crazy goal at the it time, is because you know? it feels like uh, uh, someone who starts running and then says well uh, uh let's 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 start with 150k uh it's it's like 
it's it's kind of bizarre um, in a way. Um, and this is easy now. So, uh, ten years later, of course, uh, yeah. you achieved your goal and uh, you've proven to be right. Yeah, and it but wasn't only like on, on denim, but like I implemented also on the t-shirts and, and, and things like that. But it's just it's just more of this idea, you know, like you have like this one vision, but you're I'm also already also open into exploring what's along the way. Sure. So it's more like yeah, I want to be running however many kilometers. But I'm open to train mm -hmm. for I don't know how many years and to sure. hit the walls and to fall and to, yeah. um, you know, have a great sprint along the mm -hmm. way. But did you ever lose faith? No. Did you ever feel that, um, well, the the end goal that you've been thinking about might not exist? No, I never did. <laughs> That's awesome. I always thought it was possible. What kept and that's, you going? And that, it kept me going that like I met people along the way who had similar ideas. They were not within the organization, but um, they were, you know, in the supply chain or they were in the organization, like a, some, you know, like the head of the sustainability, Frauke Brownsma, um, that was at the time, you know, she had also, you know, she really loved the cradle to cradle approach. So she really also gave me this, you know, like, like, yeah, like, you know, like it takes time to do all these other things, but like along the way we will, we, we are open to it as well. So I, I never, I never thought it was impossible. And, um, you, you worked for, uh, for almost 10 years there and, um, how did you, uh, did you enjoy, uh, the achievements because, It, it somehow sometimes always felt that uh, with ending the half marathon in an mm -hmm. amazing pace, you were already looking at uh, registering for the full marathon. And then, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just something that you know, like, did you celebrate your maybe not, maybe not enough, <laughs> maybe I did not, I, I don't know, like, what I maybe I didn't take enough pause to celebrate uh, certain things. But at the same time, like, it's kind of like you get this adrenaline rush. So, like, if you mm -hmm. figure out how to do one thing good and then, like, you just get these all these other ideas, how can you do it even better, you know? So, it's just it's just kind of like you don't you don't stop. It's like it's like a train that never stops. Yeah, maybe that's a, a celebration, being yeah, able to being go on to, yeah, to the exactly. next one. Yeah, being inspired. Yeah, that, that, that's ex exactly the same. It's like <laughs> the celebration is like, yeah, what's next? Exactly. <laughs> On to the next one. And um, but but, what made you at one point decide that your journey at G Star had to come to an end? Well, I mean that this 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 Corona, of course, I, I it helped me decide once I saw that you know there's so much only you can do in in within one brand and everything's kind of set. G Star is like you know mm -hmm. set to go for the future, um, and I've done what I. Uh, wanted to do there uh, we still have a great relationship of course yeah sure. like we i will always uh you know g-star is always in my heart and you know if, if there is like a project in the future that we can work on together that's also something that's always been um a possibility sure but uh, to be there on a full-time basis it's it's it, it there was no need um mm -hmm. anymore and then so that that kind of um yeah made me think like okay i also need to expand what's my next what's my next uh, you know what's my next uh, 10 years <laughs> exactly but um uh, isn't 
was it also the fact that you succeeded in a way uh, that you made your cradle to cradle gene that eventually was the reason to go there anyway and by the time you finished the garment or several garments the the circle was yeah yeah round? yeah that that definitely and like you know completing one uh, yeah. one phase of your life in a way and then like starting kind of back to year zero you know and and was it um uh, Was it uh, fulfilling or was it depressing? What? How? Uh, no, it was very. It was very fulfilling. I mean, the whole journey was very fulfilling, and like I was always driven by just like pure passion and the energy, and you know, action in, in changing things. And it's it's went by so fast, you know. Like it doesn't feel. It's some. It's some. I don't even know how it should feel like ten years, but it, but it just like. It was never a dull moment. Sure. For sure. And that's what that's one part that it's kind of like you know, like you constantly have this like adrenaline mm -hmm. rush and, and, and then it's like what it's a bit hard to take a pause and, and think like, okay, okay. You know, it's like a painting. I have oh, I also when I was taking some painting classes, one of my professors, he was like Adriana, it's finished. It's finished. You cannot. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, at one point I really suspected you for not sleeping at all. I really, I really thought, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there is, uh, there is uh, people in my life that have a more bizarre work ethos than, than you. It's, I, I really, uh, I had no idea when you would sleep because to yeah to my idea you were always working you were always on this mission always surrounded by all those books and notebooks and like yeah uh, it, it it was super inspiring but but also hard to to capture in a way it was hard to to also you remember to, when you were in my <laughs> in my atelier yeah yeah in your garden house it yeah, was yeah. Yeah, I always felt that first I didn't want to talk for like at least half an hour and just look at the walls, look at the books, look at the stuff. And then, hello, what was the reason that you came into this place? Uh, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> get lost. Yeah, but um, it's it's beautiful, I think, what you accomplished with G-Star and... Um, I believe it took uh, a few years uh, for for them also to actually realize uh, how, what 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 a golden um, collaboration this was between you and G Star, and then at one point I think the whole thing skyrocketed because mm -hmm. um, at one point your uh, you 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 were working with uh, Jaden Smith, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, can can you explain about that collection that you worked on with him? Oh yeah, we did. Um Um, forces of nature so it was about you know like merging Jaden's aesthetic and all the innovations for unsustainable innovations in terms of materials and the washes from g-star so it consisted of like three colorways mm -hmm. what was the blue celebrating the water um ecru which is like on, uh, celebrating the earth mm -hmm. and then um celebrating the eclipses which was the black colorway um so you know all those Fabrics were cradle to cradle gold certified. At the time, it was only the indigo, the blue, yeah. that was 2018. But later, then we certified also the black and the, and the ecru. Um, so, 
yeah, it was just it's just nice to connect to people that um, you know share the same vision and and like are there to inspire and, mm -hmm. and to be inspired and actually have a platform and have a platform and that was a really good education also in terms of you know also like Dana was super happy and not like to learn himself about you know all the ins and outs because denim is quite complex but mm. also like we did the t-shirts and uh just so you're using the most sustainable techniques of of the time that we have developed so there was a nice um collab in terms of raising the awareness and also showing possibilities that are a bit more not necessarily g-star uh aesthetic mm -hmm. but use g-star's innovations mm -hmm. that sure. we have developed yeah and talking about a platform because um we've been talking about sustainability a lot of course but i find it hard to like really pinpoint certain things so maybe a good question would be what's like the biggest misconception about sustainability in fashion because i mean hanem zara everybody's has their sustainable line but how do you like cut through the I bullshit mean, oh yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a very complex system so it's 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 quite um challenge but i guess don't believe everything they say in a way it's the motto you know you have to like do your diligence on like mm -hmm. what, what's going on so yeah. i think where your guide comes in you know like first of all do i need this mm -hmm. second like what's inside of this product how and where was it made you know what can i do to um what can i do once the product is in my hand to prolong the life of the garment because i yeah. as a customer also or as a human as a citizen mm -hmm. responsible citizen have responsibility to also take care of my garments um what can i do so you know, even like simple things like you know wash on the low temperatures use mild detergents or no detergent at all you know like don't uh, tumble dry air dry yeah you know those are all impacts that you, we are making and then also, like, if it breaks, you know, fix it. You know, you guys have the repair, been doing repairs for years since the store sure. opened, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, so, like, extending the life and or sell it or swap it or resell, it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then if you really don't know what to do with it, uh, you know, there's textile bills, bins, at least here in Amsterdam, um, that are... Uh, available and also many stores take back programs you guys also have the take back program taking yep. old jeans um and part from them in a responsible way so i think i think there's a lot of you know like fog and things but like just you as a person question things and be responsible on your purchase of your clothing just like you are on the food it all boils down to sdg 12 which is about responsible production and consumption mm -hmm. but do you think the consumer is responsible for solving the fashion problem quote no, unquote. i mean uh they're not solely responsible no. everybody in the supply chain is responsible to do their part mm -hmm. and customers i don't like to call people consumers because of the fact no. you know yeah people are people and as a person in this chain you also have a certain responsibility and mm -hmm. that comes down when you have those five little things that you can yeah. Uh, address on, on 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 your purchase and and like how you care for your garments and how you part from them yeah but the, i think the point uh, thomas is trying to make is that um uh, thanks to the big marketing machines uh, 
that are inside those big brands and companies, um, uh, people are totally put on the wrong track. Um, yeah. They assume they they acquire something sustainable, um, yeah. which in fact might not be so sustainable at all. Um, and well, at least you you guys achieved one thing, and that's uh, it became a hot topic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but what what I think what what Thomas meant to ask is. How do we see the difference between a company like G-Star uh, or Nudie Jeans who uh, really take an effort um, and divide them from the people who are just talking about it and, in fact, are not really doing something at all? No, tricking you I into... Think, I think everybody's doing something. It just, like, maybe not everybody's <coughs> taking a holistic approach. So, I mean, like, it's like, I want to be good and some people want to be just less bad. So I guess I it's, well, it's or to put it more extreme, they understood that by saying they're doing good, they can sell more. Well, I mean, I, I guess people use all kinds of tax, tactics to different, you know, to sell sell goods. Um, if and if that's what's work now, what's working now, you know, it works. It just the most important is like whatever you say, you need to stand behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think more than ever now customers are, can be in the, like such a direct touch with the brand to ask yeah. any question they want via social media and clarify if they have any doubts. So just go and be proactive and ask if it's unclear. Mm-hmm. Don't just, you know, just because somebody Don't says take like, stuff for granted. Exactly. Just because somebody says like, oh, this is great. Like ask, why is it why great? Why Yeah. So I, I think that's that's where the responsibility of customer. Me as a designer have a responsibility to design, you know, a product that contains clean materials and processes mm-hmm. that um, uh, that is responsible in terms of production. Mm-hmm. And me as a customer has a responsibility to choose. And making choi- choices is based on knowledge in yeah. a way. And so... Effort. Effort as well. I mean, the thing is what, why we have a lot of problems sometimes because things are not convenient. You know, people right. want convenience. People mm-hmm. want to click. But that's where, like, you know, even stores like yourself, you can curate the convenience by choosing to sell whoever you want to sell because Absolutely. you believe in them. Yes. And I think this is something that... You know, if the customer doesn't have time to curate, they can come to your shop and ask, like, hey, what have sure. you curated? Or for a brand, like, hey, what have you curated for me and why, why is this a certain way? Mm-hmm. But do, so. you, do you feel that it's, it became easier to acquire something sustainable or circular? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. I mean, like, if you look at now and 10 years ago, you know... Also in Ten years ago, you were the only one <laughs> because you read that book in 2005 and then you secretly in, 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 integrated into this big, uh, big company and then without telling anyone, you were on a mission mm-hmm. like the girl with the red hair. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good mission, no? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did um, you did you uh, d- did you explain your secret after that decade within the company just out of curiosity? Did you say, guys, 
I never told you, but no, I told him I from was the a beginning. secret agent no, for no, Circularity. No, no, and no, no, no. <laughs> I told him from the beginning, but everybody was like, okay, we'll see what we can do. You know, we'll see what we can do. And, and, and after you presenting and she something keeps like coming back to my exactly. desk. It freaks me out. <laughs> the only thing to get her out, out of this room is to say, okay, it's okay. Let's go with it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's the beauty of it. That like I had there the freedom to actually make things happen. Because yeah. I believed in it so much. Yeah. I think that's grand. That, that, that's, that's what well, G Star was really great. If, you, if they felt like you believe in it so much, they gave you a, an opportunity to make mm -hmm. it happen. And, that's and awesome. I was really lucky that's awesome. to have that opportunity. But and also support of, of the entire team that, you know, like that. But you uh, didn't leave any chance uh, untouched to back it up with knowledge and. and I mean, facts I and information and, and also that's also stemming from our marketing department i was working really hard with our marketing department to not only educate our designers but also like our supply chain but also marketing department and the journalists who have come to visit the g-star and also who have been featured for the interviews but why so why don't journalists write more about uh for instance g-star uh, and and explain that there is in fact an alternative because if i uh, can go back to the article that really left me basically in a depressed darkness or something there's they don't present an alternative i mean it's not yeah i mean you know no <laughs> No news is good news. Like that's the whole, you know. Yeah. You always see bad news out there. You know. Yeah. Like, um, but I mean, for uh, for G Star, it wasn't like, it, the, you know, like talking about it's not so much uh, on an advertising advertising point of view. It's it's not the goal at all. It's about doing the right thing, and it's about educating our team, our supply chain, and to make these things happen. But I think with journalists, like just like every, designers had to be re-educated on how to create responsible products, journalists also have to be re-educated on how to, um, you know, approach this complex topic of sustainability and circularity, and not only bash. And I mean, I think I know well, why they're. Well, I think why I know why they make it so harsh because they want to present that there is a problem. But I do agree with you. We should be also <coughs> presenting pre presenting solutions. Yes. And if you mm -hmm. go, I mean, especially here in Amsterdam, there are so many solutions. Even if you go to fashion for good, you yeah, but know, it 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 almost feels like uh, the way uh, politicians these days uh, ask for attention, uh, just to throw something extreme into the air and then wait for people to react on it and yeah and i think I, and um, I, I mean it's not it's not a doom it's not a doom the, the industry is not doomed it's if anything now with the you know all this technology that we have available and the machinery that has been mm -hmm. developed um we have more chance than ever to improve our industry in so many ways and there are solutions out there we should just be talking about them more and also implementing them larger scale sure yeah because that's so that's that, so it's like let's let's start the positive news a bit mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> no that's but where, uh, where the fashion for good comes into really really um well there was there was actually quite a few interesting points in there and uh, basically it, it was about buying less buying better repairing and that's that's all very true yeah. stuff but but it's not your, but the, 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 the thing is like the future of design is only not only being less it's about it's about creating 
and designing things that are never becoming waste because that's the, the point of circularity. And then now, of course, we may have the materials there, but we need to build the infrastructure. We need to in build a bigger infrastructure mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, collection and uh, recycling uh, the fibers, refibering and re-yarning and, and, and like creating fabrics and things like that and, and the products. So it's about shifting the mindset of what's the intent of the design. Yeah. So, but... Um you're always thinking from the designer's perspective, the, the brand's perspective, or the product perspective, if you yeah, will. I am. That's I'm always. That's uh, what my job. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm but I'm, I'm always concerned <coughs> with the consumer's perspective and the way people perceive mm -hmm. this, uh, this new era, this new paradigm in clothing. Mm -hmm. But don't get me wrong, but I don't think we, we solve the whole problem. Um, by just making uh, cradle to cradle stuff because I also think we have one very large problem we didn't touch upon and that's the fact that we simply make too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the idea of also cradle to cradle is that you are making what what you're not overproducing. The, the, you know, exactly. You're like minimizing all the inputs from the beginning. And isn't chemistry. that the biggest challenge for brands? Because... I mean, no, especially now, I think the brands have been more vigilant than ever to look at their collections and to see what they're producing. And I'm talking to myself here as well, but I'm, 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 I think the conclusion is that we need every aspect of it. We need, we need the, the design approach, but we also need the approach of the end product and we need the approach of um, the consumer in a way, because at the end of the day, if you, if, as you said, if one gets bronze, they all fall down exactly, to bronze. Exactly, exactly. So, that's so the it's, idea it's an amazing metaphor in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's really like taking a holistic approach, looking the entire chain, you know, from the birth to the next life. And is this also why you um, took another not very convenient road and decided to leave the G-Star ship and to help other people yeah. in the food chain to accomplish a part of this mission? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's like, you know, connecting the dots and then creating infrastructure for the future on how to scale the circularity. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I think um, we're both in the uh, advisory board of the House of Denim mm -hmm. and uh, we are there with some pretty genius people talking about the future of denim. and. To my modest opinion, the, these sessions prove that there is a lot of other sections within the denim food chain that need improvement or at least need some good advice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I feel like denim world has been very pro proactive in actually um, attacking those issues that we have had over the over the you know, last decades and, and, and is that really true, Adriana? Yeah. I, I mean like the people that I have worked with, I see a really like passion to improve, you know, from the raw material sourcing point of view to But that's why doesn't that journalist write this down? Why because why doesn't he, why 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 it takes only two sentences to put cotton and jeans in the corner of the worst thing you should buy into? And why it's because they're not properly informed. I mean, so what you're saying basically is that 
denim can in fact be a proper part of our future uh, wardrobe of course why why because it's possible to make it in a responsible way Mm-hmm. And there's also technology, bec- there's machinery. I mean, what have been doing for the last hundred years? Okay. <laughs> you know? Well, no, but we um, we uh, our it's it's almost our mission to find proof that what we do at Tenu actually makes sense in the near future. And mm-hmm. we have since this, the day we started Tenu Denim, we we've been very much concerned with uh, sustainable products in 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 the way that. How it's made, uh, how it's made, who made it? You, I know you. Who made you it? You went to directly to the factory, was sitting down with yes. the seamstresses and, yes. and making everything happen on the spot, celebrating make, all of the and making stuff that actually lasts yeah. because mm-hmm. it's so much related to the true DNA of denim that you make a product that is functional, yeah, and that makes you um, perform your job or whatever you do, uh, in a, in a better or safer way. It's, 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 inter- it's a good product. Mm-hmm. It's a great product. It's, a, it's, it's an amazing product. It's a staple. <laughs> and back in the days, it, it was so expensive. Uh, it was probably a month's salary or something. So there was no, no way on earth you would, uh, dare to thinking about replacing it because it was so bloody expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I think is that sometimes we also need to go back to the to the to the core concept of denim and and learn from that as well because if we can have the functionality and uh, and the durability of old denim and complete that with all the technologies that you But that's how I've been always approaching my work. I mean So I, that is the solution Adriana. The solution is always to you know learn from the past confront the present and like opens the door to the future, you know, like it's, and also it, it's always like you have to, you have to reflect in order yes. to go forward. You always have to reflect, take what's good, you know, what can work and see what can be better. Mm-hmm. But, but do you agree that denim in its initial concept mm-hmm. is an amazing product? Yes, of course. I mean, its initial concept is, you know, multifunctional. It's, cross-cultural it's uh mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 you know it, it's a staple it's like that's why i started up the denim institute because everybody drinks water you know and they all know it's h2o but no everybody wears denim but nobody knew how it was made so that was why i always wanted why i got into it to show that anthropological side and historical side of it to show mm-hmm. the um you know the production side of it that needs improvements and to open the doors to the future on how to do it better so i mean this is like collaborative work of all of us and i think what we have today is is you know looking back 10 years ago it's it's a big big shift it is a big shift it's a big shift and it's a positive one and it's only going to get better so i see that why you're getting frustrated with the article because it's almost like presenting everything like a doomsday like there's no hope there's no time and age we really need there's no alternative yeah Mm -hmm. but when there are there is hope and there are alternatives we just i mean like more than ever there is hope we've never been equipped with more information with more technology to redefine and rethink and to um adjust and readjust um you know not only our behavior but also how our products are uh, made and how we want to create our future. So it's, I understand your frustration. I'm also sometimes frustrated 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of like stop being frustrated and just turn another side. And Me make too. Stuff but happen. The, but this is also why why I I uh, picked up the phone uh, more than once and and asked you for advice and asked you, Adriana, am I doing something wrong? Uh, uh, or a couple of months ago. Uh, when I asked you for the first time to help me become more sustainable with Tenu, and um, you started very small and very kind. You said, listen, I re- still remember, and I think it, it was a couple of years ago, I, uh, not even months, but um, uh, time time goes by so yeah, quick. Yeah? Um, and you said two things. Make stuff you really stand behind that are well-made, great products, and try to go organic as much as possible and recycled. And, and recycled. And 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 that's what I did. Um, and um, and clean chemistry, of course. Yeah, and then and then it's Professor Adriana who adds up one layer every time you think you achieved something, which is absolutely mm-hmm. amazing and inspiring. Um, but sometimes it can also be depressing because you feel that um, you're not getting towards your goals quick enough. Um, uh, people don't m- maybe not always understand and appreciate what you do. Um, a lot of that has to do with price, uh, because people want to. In Dutch, we say have a champagne treatment for a beer price. So <laughs> you uh, often you have to. D- uh, yeah. They are totally up for change, but not if they have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not an easy road, is it? I mean, nothing's easy, but we just have to persevere and have grit and mm-hmm. and educate and share the burden in a way yeah and because um if we go back to the, those five simple things in order to make a better purchase uh five things that we really bounce back to you as well because well i think we've proven now that you uh are much more of an expert to the subject than we are, um, although we f- feel very connected to the subject. Not that that's the purpose of this at all. <laughs> well, I mean, if I mean, I'm always here to share. And, 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 uh, this is where the modesty comes in. You you feel yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Every time we give her a compliment, she's like, ah, but that's not important. It is very much important. Because I I can honestly say that Tenudenim would not have been Tenudenim if it wasn't for you stepping into our door. Um, 10 years ago, I think we would have been a different company because she's a very firm sister to me. She's like, mm-hmm. you cannot do this. Who, who did this? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that was also another, fr- I mean, we did it before I did G-Star, I did your private label. Yeah. <laughs> who changed this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but where were you for fuck's sakes, you know? But uh, anyway, um, if we go back to those five points, Adriana, uh, we already said, um, uh, do you know where it's, uh, d- do you need this? First of all, do you know where it's made? Uh, do you made where, uh, do you know where it's made How? from? How? Eh? Uh, repairs. Do you know we repair your jeans? Yeah. Uh, do we know, uh, do you know that we actually recycle it? Uh, or do you know yeah. what to do with your jeans if you don't want them anymore? Um, in your in your opinion, is there is there a question that we should have asked as well? Is there a question that we did not ask or forgot to ask? I mean, I don't think you forgot to ask any questions, but I think we as people, um, you know, also now reflecting on that article, 
it seems like there's so much confusion out there in this world, right? Mm -hmm. And we should really ask ourselves, like, how do we contribute to it? And what prevents us from seeing clearly? Yeah. Because if we can't see clearly, and if we don't know how we contribute to confusion, in a way, we should then ask our... I mean, in a way, you, you kind of giving your power away, you know, power to choose. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more about asking the question, you know, not only about denim or about fashion, about just in general for yourself, like, okay, this is all confusing. Like, how do I contribute to it? Like, what prevents me from seeing clearly? Because once you see stuff clearly, then it's easy to make decisions. Mm -hmm. So I think that those are some things that, you know, we should ask ourselves. And also, um, we have to remember that, like, the thought, our thoughts and words and actions do matter. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they can either completely stop or fuel impact, positive impact, and or in transformation. So I think we also need to be, you know, let's choose wisely in, in that sense. And... Um, is, is, is this also what you're going to help people with uh, in your new venture, the CoCircular Lab? Um, yeah, I mean, CoCircular Lab is just platform that I created to continue my work in circularity, you know, like in uh, action research and mm -hmm. uh, circular product innovation and also creating, uh, you know, uh, the infrastructure and the systems and, you know, helping people to guide them, uh, give them, you know, take them by the hand and guide them how to go na navigate these yeah. crazy circular waters and um, show the um, show the uh, possibilities and also like you know help things scale because there, you know there's no point doing anything if you can't scale it in exactly a way. because there's you know like mm -hmm. my, my my main goal is to have an impact and uh, on a grant no no but I, I i know that and this is why your sabbatical kind of freaked me out because i thought by leaving the big brother g-star uh we could immediately like into uh, integrate you into our Tanu mission because there's so much work for you to do uh but we couldn't even make you attend this podcast uh, because you were very strict about your sabbatical and uh, and and that's yeah because i'm doing research i'm sharpening the tools the mental tools and, and then and you know cleaning the toolbox so i can uh, uh, i can provide better services i should clean my toolbox that's yeah. <laughs> i should also my toolbox is in need of a uh, of good cleaning i think also but adriana um uh, be, before uh, we're going to leave um I'm I'm putting myself in your shoes now and you just accomplished an amazing quest within uh, within a beautiful brand like G-Star and you spent uh, well, uh, well uh, as much as a decade uh, devoting yourself to cradle to cradle jeans um how do you make a decision what's next it's it's just a journey of a continuous improvement you know like um not everything is solved you have all the possibilities now it's like about connecting the dots and creating infrastructure one part is like you know creating healthy materials but how can we create infrastructure to enable the circularity yeah 
to function like on, on a larger scale. So that's something that's very, you know, it's like fuels me to figure out like this, like systems thinking on sure. how to. But how do you choose what your next stop will be? Because I'm but sure. But that's already, it's, I did, it's, I've been guided. I, I, I see like what's missing and I'm just guided. You found new to, loves? <laughs> in a way. I mean, it's the old love that got grew further. So it's, it's kind of like that. So, um, without spoiling the surprise, uh, uh, there, there's so much for you to do, I'm sure. For all of us. I mean, for all of us. It's pretty much like, you know, create, create you know, it's, it's a shift that we all have to make, mm -hmm. you know, like transition uh, from sustainability talk into circularity and not talk, but action. So, you I saw mean, the finger? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what to do. <laughs> Oh God! Um, so it's it's a natural progression. It's just a continuation of what's been started. And I think you know, and especially like you know, Amsterdam wants to be you know by twenty fifty hundred percent circular. That's a great thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are like so many opportunities. Good luck with that. Yeah, I know, but still, like, don't say good luck with that. Let's just make action, make things possible, and yeah. push. I mean, I you well, know, I, I saw I saw. Um, um a news program this morning where um people from the local government were literally fighting each other over um yeah the whole bio biomass uh, mass discussion and it's um i think we need so much more collaboration uh, I mean, like without collaboration, nothing exists. I this think is not there, the there's there are so many there are so many uh, egos and 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 individual missions involved. And one thing that I really admire about our little blue denim um, community community yeah. is that uh, whether we are uh, co-workers, colleagues, uh, brands, mills, or a total competition, yeah. mm -hmm. everybody seems to. Uh, stand behind this this new uh, paradigm and everybody wants to collaborate and i even had journalists over who were completely amazed uh, about the brothership that was yeah, i mean within this industry that's uh, also uh, yeah driven by quite a bit of competition yeah but it's like we are competing on uh, why should we compete on pre-competitive materials like we shouldn't be competing on clean indigo you know clean indigo should be available everywhere yeah you know like uh responsible fiber should be and production should be available to everybody and how you weave it how you put it how you wash it you know you compete on your style on your on your or mm -hmm. your visual imagery but we don't need to compete on pre-competitive materials and i think that's something in in uh, denim um that's quite normal in a way and we have shaped it to be like that mm -hmm. i mean it's 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 about you know sharing and pushing the needle forward um and yeah just i mean without collaboration there is no making a big change there is no paradigm shift there's no system change without collaboration and i've seen that in my work throughout my i mean even with the denim institute you know i stopped the denim institute but parts of it got absorbed to the house of denim and sure. like yeah i had you know worked with g-star and like connecting the new york and amsterdam in terms of the kingpins you know even sure. when you went to new york uh yeah you were connected 
to cone and like yeah. all these things. Shout out to Kara. Yeah, Kara. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's imperative, the collaboration. Well, uh, I think um, one thing is for sure that uh, you not only positively changed the denim industry as we know it today, but uh, in addition to that, I am also very much assured that you will help us change the future and uh, this is why i mean it's a collaborative effort like all of the changes that i have done again uh, wouldn't have been possible without collaboration with the supply chain and, and understanding and well understood board, mm -hmm. you know? well understood i mean i did have a vision of course. this is where she's trying to uh yeah. push compliments off the table thomas exactly uh, but you did of, provide it of course it was we'll the book it, written by it. another person in 2005 that you happened to read and that that's actually the change maker another two persons another two persons <laughs> that was william mcdonough and michael bronkart Boom. one is a chemist and another one is an architect well i'm not i'm not gonna leave any um opportunity untouched to uh, to praise you and to to say uh, how much i admire you um, thank you so much uh, for mm -hmm. sharing uh, your your vision and sharing your love for denim and also helping Thomas and myself and at the end of the day uh, our entire Tenue Denim community to, to mm -hmm. first of all understand uh, sustainability and circularity um, in a better way and hopefully also uh, to put it into action together. Yeah, create right? some awareness. Yeah, of definitely. Of I mean, every... every if you have like a wheel that has to turn, every part of it needs to mm -hmm. sort of do its part. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when you look at the inside of the watches, those like cool mechanisms, you know, if one gets stuck, everything is stuck. So I always, always, that's the idea also of, of co-circular lab. If you, in geometry, like co-circular means all the dots lying around across the circle, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, around the circle. So for me, it's like, yeah, we are all dots. Here is people are all dots on this planet. And I then we cannot work, we cannot move the circle forward or expand the circle without collaborating and experimenting. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to uh, to do so? Are you on Instagram or are you on... Uh... I'm, on I'm on Instagram, um, but... Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. Yeah. Keep it Instagram, great. LinkedIn. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you again. Thank you, yes. Thomas. Um, thank you guys thank for you. having me. Oh, absolutely. This was, it was hope, our pleasure. I hope we didn't get lost too much in translation. <laughs> it's been a long, it's been a long, a long, it was a long conversation. conversation but yeah. I think a very uh, clear conversation. Oh, good. With lots of pointers that people... At least we have three people from. really enjoying it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean... <laughs> yours it's so good uh, to four. see Four. Oh, four people. Yours, four. of course. That's fucking <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Adriana. And uh, see you in the next one. See thank you in the you next guys. one. See you. <laughs>